today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. need to be loving each other with a fervent heart, continually loving each other from a pure heart. You ought not have any malice toward your brothers or sisters. There ought not be any deceit as you deal with each other. There ought not be any hypocrisy in your lives with each other. Don't have envy one to another. Don't be speaking evil about each other. You think, wow, do you think if that was true back 2,000 years ago to the churches, the widespread of churches that Peter was speaking about, do you think it might be true a little bit, maybe even today? Jesus loves us with the agape love of God. He then asks us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ with this same powerful love. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that in order to obey the command to love, we must be intentional about putting aside our former ways of dealing with people that included evil, divisive things like deceit, malice, jealousy, and strife. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can choose to demonstrate God's agape love to one another so that Christ might be glorified. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Acts of Grace, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. A lot of you might have grown up in uh, churches or in Sunday school where they did uh, sword drills. Anybody remember sword drills to where they say, hey, find uh, John chapter 5, uh, verse 6 or whatever. And so the first one there had to find it and stand up. Well, we're going to do a little bit different this morning. Nobody needs to stand up. We're not going to draw attention to anybody. But what, what I want you to do is if you have a Bible, and hopefully you bring your Bibles because we know that's what we do here. We study through the Bible. Okay. So what I want you to do is to take and open your Bibles to the passage where Peter declares, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So quickly, turn to that place. Well, now, if you had a a smartphone or a tablet or something that you could do a word search, you'd probably find that pretty quick. Uh, Perhaps some of you flip back to your concordance and you're looking down for words to, to find it. Can you imagine if that was the only way that we ever did on Bible studies was to go through, by the way, that's found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. But if we, when we're not going there today, that was just an exercise, okay? But can you imagine if the way that we studied our Bible was just turn to the passage where Peter says or where Isaiah says, and you would have to be pretty familiar with your word in order to be able to do that. Well, a little bit of biblical history this morning that I'm going to take you through, and just bear with me for a moment because it does tie in with the message, okay? This isn't just for the exercise. 
biblically, or, or the history of the Bible, it wasn't until 1227 that we had the breakdown of the chapters of the books that you have in your Bible today. Now, prior to that, in the Hebrew text and in the Greek text, there were divisions of sorts, but the ease of having chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on, we didn't have them until the 1200s. And then it wasn't until the mid-1500s, with the printing of the Geneva Bible, that we actually had the verses laid out the way that you see them today. And if my math is correct, and I believe that it is because I actually used a calculator, uh, that's only like 500 years ago, okay? It was only 500 years ago that we had the Bible laid out the way that you and I have it. The way they were able to do that is because they had the printing press at that time. And it was only at that point in time that actually the Bible became available to the general public. But for you and I to be able to look and say, hey, turn to chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verse 2, you can find that fairly quickly, uh, particularly if you know the books of your Bible or if you have tabs, and, you know, those are cheater tabs, and that's okay. People use it, and it's fine. As long as it helps you to find where you need to go. That's the important thing, to find the place where you need to go. Well, the thing that you need to understand, in, and, and we really need to get a grasp of, is that the chapter and verse divisions that are within your Bible, they are simply technical references to be able to help you find that spot. They have absolutely nothing to do with doctrinal or theological thoughts or processes. They were placed there as a technical reference. And the reason that I bring that to you is because, as we've seen through many times as we've studied, we'll come to the uh, end of a chapter, but it's not the end of the thought. The thought actually moves on, or perhaps the thought that we start reading about at the first of a chapter, it actually started the last couple of verses of the previous chapter. I give all that to you to explain what's going on today as we're studying in 1 Peter chapter 2. See, I gave you a real good hint there. 1 Peter chapter 2. You ought to be able to find that. But 1 Peter chapter 2, the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 2, isn't really the beginning of the thought. The thought actually goes back up into chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Now, last week, as we were studying this section, we ended at chapter or verse 25 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Just because of time, we weren't able to go on into the verses that we're going to be looking at this morning. But the thought actually pushes back all the way back to chapter 1 and verse 22. And in that, that's where we were teaching last week. Now, it's just not because in chapter 2 and verse 1 it says, therefore. It actually goes all the way back, and we see a a great tie-in from the verses that we looked at last week. Remember last week, we spoke about the love of grace. And I talked to you about those that were credible Christians, true and credible Christians, and how their lives needed to be lived with a sincere and a fervent love for one another from a pure heart. We find that thought up in verse 22 of chapter 1. But the whole concept of a a credible, of, of a true Christian heart in relationship to other believers actually continues on into this passage that we're going to look at this morning. Here in chapter 2, 
verse 1, Peter begins with that word, therefore. And so now we know what that therefore is there for, right? Because of what it says up in the previous verses in chapter 1. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Did you notice these sins that Peter says that we're to lay aside? He says to lay aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and evil speaking. Every one of those sins that he lists there, all five of them, are sins against someone else. Now, we have personal sins. We have issues that each one of us deal with personally. But these particular things particularly deal with how we relate and respond to those that are around us. And in the context of what Peter is writing here, he's speaking to believers of how we should be responding to each other. Now, if you think about that for a moment, that ought to kind of blow you away. Because he said, you know what, when you deal with each other, don't deal with malice, don't deal with deceit, don't deal with hypocrisy or envy, don't speak evil about each other. You would think that's a no-brainer. You would think that when you come to Christ and the Spirit of God comes within you, that that ought to automatically change your life to where you're not dealing that way. Maybe you dealt that way when you were in the world, when you weren't born again, when you were still outside of Christ. But, beloved, once we come into Christ, these kinds of things ought to be a no-brainer. But you know what? Apparently it's not. Because Peter found it necessary to write to the church. Hey, you guys. You need to be loving each other with a fervent heart, continually loving each other from a pure heart. You ought not have any malice toward your brothers or sisters. There ought not be any deceit as you deal with each other. There ought not be any hypocrisy in your lives with each other. Don't have envy one to another. Don't be speaking evil about each other. You think, wow, do you think if that was true back 2,000 years ago to the churches, the widespread of churches that Peter was speaking about, do you think it might be true a little bit maybe even today? Well, I know it's probably not true in our church, right? <laughs> maybe over Calvary Chapel, uh, Soshi, but not, no, no. <laughs> Here, we, you know that we deal with those things. This is, this is universal. And we look at these things and we can't say, no, it's the other guys. No, I've got to take this to heart. I've got to look at it in my own life. And when Peter says, hey, you need to lay those things aside. You need to set aside, though. These are sins against the church. And I'm not talking about the brick and mortar church. I'm talking about the living, the the breathing organism of, of the bride of Christ. Peter warns us, lay these things aside. He says to lay it aside, it has the idea of put off, get rid of. It's our own personal responsibility, and we've spoken about these things over the last couple of weeks, too, as we've gone into Peter. You and I have personal responsibilities as believers. 
We can't simply say, well, Lord, if you don't want me to have that in my life, then, Lord, you remove it. No, over and over and over again, we see the writings, particularly in the New Testament, that speak about our personal responsibilities as believers. James tells us in James 1.21, he says, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. He's talking to believers. He said, lay that aside. The same idea Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 when he says, let us cast off the works of darkness. That must mean that we as believers, that some are still doing works of darkness. And he says, hey, don't do that. Cast it off. He says in Ephesians 4.22, he says, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. And I want to be gender uh, uh, sensitive here. So he says also not only the old man, but the old woman too, okay? <laughs> and it has nothing to do with chronological age. It has to do with spiritual reality of who you were and who you are now. And he says that there is a responsibility that you and I have as believers to say, you know what, I don't want to live that way anymore. I, I, I desire to put these things off. I desire to cast these things away because I want to live my life for the honor of my Lord Jesus. Paul, in almost an identical passage in the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, writes, But now you yourselves, again, that personal responsibility, you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. He's talking to believers. tells us we need to put these things off. And then later on he says, and put on that new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. All of these, James, Paul, Peter, every one of them expressing the need for the individual believer to stop doing the wrong thing, stop having the attitude, stop having the actions that you know are evil that you know that don't glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he directs the expression particularly in regards to our relationship with other believers. These are baby steps, gang. These are things that we ought to know right away as believers. These five attitudes, these actions that are actually pretty vile once you start looking at them and thinking about malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. There's a sourness in the, in the spirit that these things bring. It literally is, is a cancer to the soul that needs to be completely eradicated from our lives. And sometimes the removal of these things, it takes drastic steps in our lives. Many times, man, that takes an accountability that comes up and says, you know what? You know my life is, is is hypocrisy. You know that when I'm at church, I'm living this way, but I'm out in the world, I'm living this way. I, w- I want you to hold me accountable to that. You know, and, and again, to take those types of steps. And these types of sin, 
These types of sin in particular, they can destroy the very moral fiber of a fellowship. They can come and destroy individuals, they destroy families, and completely destroy church fellowships. And more than one church has been destroyed because of these kinds of sins. There's jealousy within the body. There's great hypocrisy within the body. There's deceit within the body. They destroy the harmony. They they destroy the trust that we look at within building up of the family of Christ. When, When Peter writes these things, as he's writing to a real, to a true group of believers just like you and I, Back in the first chapter, remember, back in verses 22 and 23, he speaks about the fact that because you are a believer, you should have within you and demonstrate in your life a sincere love towards other believers. Loving them with with an ever-growing, an intentional, a without-ceasing kind of love. A love that's without corruption. A love that comes from a pure heart. In other words, always clean, always pure. And because of that, and in order to do that, he says you need to lay aside these things. The first one he says, lay aside all malice. And what is malice? Malice is, again, purposefully wicked ill will toward Another. In other words, it's having a hostility within your life toward another person with an evil intent. Having a total disregard for another person's well-being. There's a Latin phrase that, uh, I, I like the translation, but I don't speak Latin, so there's no sense in me even trying that. But the translation of the phrase I really like. It says that Latin is sour. It's the quality of an evil mind. I can't imagine someone having the mind of Christ and at the same time carrying around with them malice, particularly toward a brother or sister in Christ. That should be so foreign to us. And that's why it's so important when you and I are harmed by a, a brother or a sister in Christ that we deal with it right away, right away. And the best way to deal with that is to take it to the cross and lay it before the Lord. Now, how many of you have, I know this may be odd and strange, but how many of you have ever been harmed by a brother or sister in Christ? Go ahead, be bold, be brave. You know, Many of us have. It's what you do with that that's going to make the difference. Beloved, that needs to be brought to the cross right away. That needs to be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. You need to forgive that brother and sister so it doesn't destroy you. You see, if you don't deal with it, that will destroy you. The second thing that he says is lay aside all deceit. Your King James Version says all guile. And deceit or guile, it's it's a deliberate dishonesty bringing or coming from trickery or or treachery within the life you're purposefully dishonest this word has the idea of the sleight of hand you've seen those guys where they have the three little cups and little ball in between and they're kind of moving them all around the table and they ask you okay where is the ball now they are purposefully 
deceiving you. They desire to deceive you. And that's what this whole idea is. And for believers to be that way with another believer or to be that way in any form or fashion. Beloved, that's outside of the heart and the mind and the purpose of Christ in our lives. Peter says, man, we ought not treat people that way, particular believers. Thirdly, he says, lay aside all hypocrisy. I I really like the word hypocrisy. Now, it's a horrible lifestyle. I don't like the lifestyle. But I, I like the word because the word itself, the meaning of it is so clear as to what it actually is. More than just the words of someone who is a hypocrite, the actions actually are the overwhelming thing of a hypocrite. Not just words, but actually the actions of the individual. The word actually comes from the ancient Greek and Roman culture where during that time as they did dramas or plays, an individual, a single actor, at one point in time, they can have on the smiling face and they're, they're looking real good and they say their lines with a smiling face and then they can change it. And then they can be the evil person. One person could be multiple personalities on a one-man play that way. You can be the protagonist, the good guy at one moment, and then the antagonist at just the very second moment, simply by changing the masks that you wear. And the unfortunate reality is, is within the church, we have that. We have that. And Peter says, man, that ought not be. Don't even be that way. The openness that needs to be there. Some render hypocrisy with the idea of to cover up one's faults or a pretense of goodness. And isn't that really how we do that when we're playing the hypocrite? We normally don't play the hypocrite and pretend to be bad. Okay. Well, I'm really a nice guy, but I'm going to pretend to be bad for a little bit. That's usually not the way it works. It's usually because our heart isn't right and we pretend to be good. That's something that needs to go before the Lord and change the very internal working of the heart. The fourth thing, the fourth sin that he speaks about is lay aside all envy. The main concept or thought behind envy is, is this idea of jealousy, not the romantic kind of jealousy. It has to do with more of a resentment or a hatred over somebody's position or over something that someone has. One version describes it as to desire another person's happiness. Not that I see, oh, you're so happy. I wish I had that same kind of happiness. No, you're so happy and I want to take it from you so that I can have it. That's that kind of envy. The Lord is blessing you so much. I wish he wouldn't bless you. I wish he'd bless me instead. That kind of a thing. It's not like, oh man, I wish I had the same blessings of the Lord as you. What what I need to do in my life to experience that and see it? No, I want to take it from you and pull it to me. The Lord blessed you in this area. The Lord gave you something in this area. Oh, I want that in my life. Total disregard of you in your life or even resentment or hatred toward you. The fifth thing that he says is you need to lay aside evil speaking. Again, this kind of speaking, uh, it, it, it comes about to, to, to defame or, or, or belittle the character of an individual. Some writers 
translate it this way. It means to shoot people with your words. To shoot people with your words. Or to spoil someone's honor with evil words. It's the idea of slander and, and gossip, both of them working together in, in different ways. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter, reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David. And thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word.